Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And as always, of course, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. And while you're there on Twitter at GoForItGant, give me a follow at GoForItGant. Also, also, the chat room is open, so you can hit us up on the chat room at that blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. And we can talk sports, have fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expect it to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Roven. I'm bringing Willie on, and I want to get his perspective from an athlete's perspective on what we saw Thursday night in San Antonio in terms of LeBron James, in terms of the cramping, and what an individual has to do and and what an individual must go through to prepare himself for a hot evening, for the lack of AC. You know what I mean? So we're going to talk to Willie about that. Also expect to be joined by St. Peter's assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill, who on throughout the course of these playoffs, get his thoughts on what he saw in game one, also get his thoughts and get a coach's coach's perspective on how he would handle or how he would have handled the whole situation with LeBron James, knowing that he has a history of of cramping up and knowing that the temperature in the AC, knowing that the temperature was in the 90s, knowing that the AC was malfunctioning. So wanted to get his take on a coach's perspective on how he would have handled that particular situation. So, we're going to talk a lot of NBA Finals today, a lot of it. I mean, it was an exciting game. We're going to talk a lot of NBA Finals today, touch on a little bit of Rashawn McCants, touch on a little NFL as well. So, a great show. should be fun. We're going to talk sports, and we're going to have fun doing it. Now, let's start with the NBA Finals. Let's start with LeBron James. Let's start with everybody and their mama talking about it. Everybody and their mom is talking about it. Everybody. And the thing about the whole situation is this. I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, I don't think this is an issue of heart. I don't think this is an issue of toughness. I think this is an issue, as LeBron James said, of his body failing him, of his body just breaking down. You know what I mean? His body just broke down. It just, it just couldn't take it anymore. And it was you saw that drive. He took that drive, and this was after the first time. The first time he went out, midway through the fourth, he went out, you know, to get treatment for the cramps, went back in. And then he went on that drive right by Boris Diaw, cut the lead to two, and at that point he just stood there. He couldn't move. He was done. He was shot. The body just didn't have it anymore. He was done. 
it, the, just the, the cramping, the dehydration, it just took over this man's body. And he was done at that point. And you just knew it. And I, you know, everybody, and I think Jalen Rose said it perfectly at the end of the game. He said, everybody's walk to school is going to be a little longer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, everybody's walk to school is going to be a little longer. Everybody, if, oh, I played with this, I played with that. Everybody's going to talk about what they played with. Everybody's going to talk about how long their school, how long their walk to school was. Everybody's going to have those talks, and everybody's going to say those things. But at the end of the day, the guy couldn't do anymore. He couldn't do it. He was spent. His body, as he said, failed him. He, he just—he was done. He was done. And it was evident. Evident. And it was obvious. It's not a toughness thing. I don't think it had anything to do with toughness. He was just done. The body wouldn't move. He would not move. The body wouldn't move. The mind is telling his body to move. The mind is telling the legs to move. But at the end of the day, no matter what the body, the mind is telling the body, in terms of LeBron James, it just didn't matter. It just didn't matter at all. And you look at that game and you look at how it ended and, and what happened with LeBron James and it, you, you you say at that point, okay, LeBron James goes out, Miami's in the lead, LeBron James comes back, San Antonio's in the lead, LeBron James makes that layup and cuts it to two, but at that point, after he went out, it was a done deal. San Antonio just went crazy and just took over the basketball game. They took over the basketball game. And you look at San Antonio, this team can score the basketball. And what they did in that fourth quarter, I, I don't even know. You know, obviously LeBron James, He's the best player, best offensive player, and probably their best defender, and he went out. And from there, the Spurs took it home. But the bottom line is this. The San Antonio Spurs, the way they shot the ball in the fourth quarter, you wonder even if LeBron James was in there if it would have made a difference. I don't know. But, I mean, you shoot 14 from 16 from the field, so you only miss two shots. You shoot the ball 16 times, you only miss it twice. You make 14 field goals. You're six for six from downtown, and oh by the way, on 14 you have 14 field goals, but they they were assisted 12 times. So the bottom line is this: the San Antonio Spurs took over that basketball game on the offensive side of the ball, and they just ended the game. They closed the game out the way you're supposed to close out a basketball game, and they outscored the Heat by 19 points. LeBron James was on the court, and I, and I know the difference. I know it's a difference. I mean, when LeBron James was off the basketball court, the Heat were outscored by 15 points. By 15 points. So the bottom line is this. LeBron James, after game one, this is clear to me, after game one, and I know the series has its ebbs, its flows, its ups, its downs. I get all that. But in terms of what I saw after game one, I believe, just based off and looking at this Spurs team in comparison to last year, they're a deeper basketball team. They're a better basketball team than they were a year ago. They just are. They're deeper. I mean, they can hit you in a lot of different places with a lot of different guys. I mean, Bellinelli can give you some solid minutes. He can hit the three. I mean, he was two for three from downtown. 
I mean, Ginobili, obviously, he was big. Patty Mills coming off the bench. He, he's big time off the bench and gives the San Antonio Spurs some big time minutes. And Boris Diaz. I mean, he only had two points. He had ten rebounds and six assists. He, he had a, a pretty good stat line. He did everything but score the basketball. But guess what? When he was on the basketball court, the San Antonio Spurs were plus 30. Plus 30 when he was on the basketball court. Plus 30. So when he was on the basketball court, they were having success. That's what those numbers tell you. Plus 30. And that's a hockey stat. That has has found its way to the NBA, plus and minus. But the bottom line, Boris Diel rebounded the basketball, assisted the basketball, didn't score the basketball much. But, again, he, they were plus 30 with him on the basketball court, and he came up big for the San Antonio Spurs. He was big last, last series against OKC, by the way. But you look at the Miami Heat, LeBron James, other than what happened, uh, you know, he, he had a good basketball game. He played a great game. Bottom line is, as he said, his body failed him. His body failed him. And then cramping has been an issue for LeBron James. We've seen it in the 2012 NBA Finals against OKC. Fortunately for Miami, they were able to finish that ball game and win it. This time around, they weren't able to do so. And you look at this series. The more I watch it, it's only one game, and it's only 48 minutes. So there's a lot of basketball to be played. But as I watch it, I say to myself, LeBron James is going to have to be great if the Miami Heat want to get to 3 P this time around. Because San Antonio, I think, is that much better than they were a year ago. They're that much better than they were a year ago. And, and they're, they're a determined basketball team. They're a determined basketball team. They want this ring. They felt like they let one get away, and they did. They definitely let, let one slip away. They let one slip away. Kawhi Leonard, Manu Ginobili missing key free throws down the stretch, not boxing out. Chris Bosh tapping it out to Ray Allen, and Ray Allen hitting that three. I mean, so the bottom line is they did let one slip away a year ago, and now they have an opportunity to clean up and fix what went wrong a year ago. They have an opportunity to fix what what they have an opportunity to fix what, what 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 I can't even talk right now. They have an opportunity to fix it. They have an opportunity to fix it, and we'll see if they can fix it. I tweeted out before this series started. I believe the Spurs will win this in seven if Tony Parker is healthy. And based off what I saw in Game One, Tony Parker is probably going to be good to go. Well, he said he wasn't sure about the durability of the ankle. But after game one, I think they might be okay with Tony Parker moving forward. And I said before this series started that one of the ways San Antonio, obviously San Antonio and any team, can hit the Miami Heat is down low, the soft underbelly of the Miami Heat. Birdman Anderson, we don't know how healthy he is. Obviously, Chris Bosh. Little lightning cakes. And you got Duncan. I mean, you look at the Spurs bigs. Duncan and Splitter. They go combine 14 for 16 from the field. Combine 14 
for 16 from the field, combined 14 rebounds, and a combined 35 points. That's too easy. That's just too easy. I mean, between the two, they only missed two shots. So you got to do better if you're the Miami Heat in terms of controlling the San Antonio bigs. You got to do better. Blitter, five for six. Duncan, nine for ten. You got to do better than that. Twenty-one and fourteen, respectively. Duncan, twenty-one and ten. Splitter, fourteen and four. You got to do better than that. That is uh, something that the Miami he have to try to find a way to clean up moving forward. And the Miami Heat in this series, I mean, the big three was decent. Bosh with eighteen, LeBron with twenty-five. And D. Wade with 19. The big three was decent, including Ray Allen, who came off the bench and gave him 16 solid points. But when LeBron went out, it was like that was it. It just they just they just didn't have enough. And again, you lose your best defensive player, you lose your best offensive player, and you lose your best player. Period. In terms of closing the game, and that was it. That was pretty much it. And obviously. Game number two, as you know, the, the air conditions have been fixed. They're all fixed. The air is good to go. So the air should not play uh, any type of role in this particular basketball game as it did in the other game, as it did in game number one. The air should not play a difference here. The air should not be a difference. So you got that taken care of. You know the Miami Heat. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The San Antonio Spurs didn't really play one of their better basketball games. I mean, they exploded in that fourth quarter, but they turned the ball over a lot in this particular game, 23 turnovers in this game. And, you know, 23 turnovers against a team like the Miami Heat is usually a killer. It's usually a killer when you have that many turnovers in a game, especially playing against the Miami Heat. That's usually a killer. But the bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. You know, the Spurs didn't play their best game. They closed fast, and they got it done. They closed it fast, and they got it done. And they took it over. They took it over, and they got hot. Like I said, 14 for 16 in that fourth quarter. You shoot those type of numbers, you go six for six from downtown, you score 36 points in the fourth quarter, you're winning basketball games. Then that's pretty much it. You are winning basketball games. And that's what happened. They won the basketball game. And you look at, I look at this game, and then, you know, LeBron James, after he leaves, after he leaves the game, he cut the, lead, he cut the lead to two with four minutes to go. They had to take a foul. LeBron James ultimately went out, would not return from that point. And the score is 92-94. to 94. The Spurs outscored the Miami Heat. And then let me remind you, 92-94, to 94, the Spurs outscored the Miami Heat 16-3. 16-3 over the final four minutes to close out that game. 16-3. That's closing basketball games, and that's getting it done. The San Antonio Spurs know how to close a game, and they showed it 
the Miami Heat minus LeBron James weren't able to do it. I mean, Dwayne Wade scored their only their three points. He was the guy that scored their three points. And when LeBron came back in and, and he made that layup, my thought was, okay, here comes LeBron now to save the day for the Miami Heat. That was my thought process. That was going through my head at that particular time. LeBron James now is going to come in, save the day for the Miami Heat. But he went out, his body failed him, and that was it. He just didn't have it. And here's the thing also, and, and you know, going back to Jalen Rose's comments, everybody's walk from school is going to be longer. Every player in history is going to say, oh, I could have fought through this. I, I did this, I did that. I, I was on Facebook, I saw Nate Campbell, a boxer. I fought with a pinched nerve my whole career. You know, you're seeing it all. Jonathan Martin, even Jonathan Martin. You know Jonathan Martin. The same Jonathan Martin who played with the Dolphins last year, who accused his teammates of bullying him, and, you know, he left his team after he felt he was being bullied by three of his teammates. That Jonathan Martin, even that Jonathan Martin, who talked about being bullied, jumped on Twitter, had the nerve to jump on Twitter and say, with that said, come on, bro, drink a, drink a Gatorade and get out there. Jonathan Martin, that Jonathan Martin, the Jonathan Martin who was bullied, Jonathan Martin, he had a nerve to jump on Twitter and say, with that said, come on, bro, drink a Gatorade and get out there. Jonathan Martin said that. Jonathan Martin said that. Come on. Come on, Jonathan. I mean, you, you, you're talking about, and you want to talk about hypocrisy on some level. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who talks about he was being bullied, and this guy jumps on social media, and essentially on some level. I mean, isn't this a, a form of cyberbullying on some level, where you're going online and you're, you're disparaging uh, another guy? You're disparaging another guy. You're, you're talking negative about another guy. You're chastising another guy. Isn't that a form of cyberbullying on some level? Sure it is. So as far as I'm concerned, Jonathan Martin needs to shut up. Jonathan Martin needs to shut up because he can't talk. He, he can't talk at all. If there's one guy who can't talk, it's Jonathan Martin. It's Jonathan Martin. And so, Jonathan Martin needs to be quiet. Actually, let me go a step further. He needs to shut up. He needs to just shut up. And as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, LeBron James did what he could physically. I, I mean, they said he took, what, uh, like seven hydration pills before the game. He was trying to hide. He was hydrating himself. They tried IVs. They're, they're saying they tried everything. And just some people are prone to this type of thing. I, I guess some people are prone to, you know, I, I, I saw a doctor say, put it this way, 
Everybody can go through the same thing, be involved in the same time, be around the same type of illness, same type of sickness, and not get sick. You know, me, me, like, I'll, I'll give you an example of my family. I mean, you know, my wife, my kids tend to get a lot, you know, tend to get sick before I do. We can experience the same thing, sit in the same areas, be around the same people. They get sick, I don't. And I heard the same thing about cramps. It could be a situation where everybody's body can experience the same thing. I mean, everybody's body can go through the same type of experience, same type of situation, but everybody's body will react differently. And LeBron James's body reacted differently in this particular situation. You know, and everybody was, was, was talking, you know, talking about their situations and how they've been involved in the heat. Throughout the course of their lives, you got Tony Parker, quote, it felt like I was playing in a European championship. We never have AC in Europe, so it didn't bother me at all. So, I mean, Tony Parker experienced the same thing LeBron James did in terms of playing in the heat and being involved in the heat, but his body reacted differently. Shane Battier, quote, it reminded me of the days at Cameron Indoor at Duke before they got AC. Shane Battier played in the same game LeBron James played in. His body reacted differently. So it's just the way it is sometimes. It's just the way it goes sometimes. And it happens. And everybody's saying, well, Kobe did this with the Achilles and shot a free throw with the Achilles and played through it. He just shot a free throw. That's all Kobe Bryant did. Come on. Shot a free throw, all right? Stop it. Michael Jordan played through the flu. Again, probably different symptoms. Body reacted differently. Come on. You can't. And, when, and here's the thing. Here's the thing that kind of bothers me when, when it comes to this type of thing and this type of issue. A lot of times you have people saying, well, you know, such and such would have did this, and such and such would have did that, and I would have did this, and I would have did that. And here's the thing. You know, sometimes that's why it's not always good, and I'm going off on a little tangent here, but sometimes it's not always good to tell people what, you, what would you do in that particular situation. Because a lot of times, you know, people will say they'll do one thing, but they actually go through the situation, they'll do something else. So I can tell you, you know, if somebody punches me in the face in the streets, I think I'm going to punch it back and beat them up and do whatever i got to do. I may say that to you, but it doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to do it if I'm involved in that particular situation. It's so easy to say that you're going to, you would do this, that, and the third when you're not involved in the situation because you're not involved in the situation and your emotions are not involved in the situation. You're not involved. You have nothing to do with it. So it's so easy for people to say that if that was me, I would have done this or you know what I mean? It's it's so easy for us to do that. It's so easy for us to do that. And so, you know, and I think it's similar to here. With LeBron James, it's so easy to say, you're in the NBA Finals. You need to get your body. You know, Michael Jordan would have did this. Kobe Bryant would have did this. Matt Johnson would have did this. I mean, it's so easy for us and, and people in general outside a situation to say what they would do in a situation because you're not involved in the situation. And everybody's body reacts differently. Every person reacts differently. And so the reality is, the reality is the man 
tried to push his body through, and it, the body just said, no, you're good, you're done. Ball game, son. Game two. It, the, his body said, it's time to prepare for game two. And, you know, LeBron James said he did everything he could. He hydrated. He did everything he could. Everything he could. And he just couldn't. Just could not work through it and fight through it. Just couldn't. And, you know, LeBron James, obviously, at this point, he's going to prepare. And for his sake, and everybody involved, everybody that was at that game, sake, air condition has been fixed. I mean, what it was? I think it was like 87 degrees in Texas. I mean, I, I've dealt with that Texas heat. It's kind of, you know, I, I remember I was in Dallas just a few years back, and you know, it was hot throughout the course of the day, and then it was hot at night as well. I mean, it was, the temperatures were still high. The temperatures were still high. And so, can you imagine dealing with those high temperatures? I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I know you know we we've all played in oppressive heat. You know, we we've all played in, in, in when it was hot. And obviously, I'm not, I haven't played on a competitive level like LeBron James has played on, obviously. But we've all experienced playing in in, in warm temperatures, adverse conditions. You know, we were all young ones and, and going out to the courts day in and day day in and day out, 90-degree weather, and playing through it. We've all experienced that. We've all played in 90-degree weather. Obviously, we haven't played on the level of LeBron James, but, you know, the bottom line is everybody's body is different. And I heard Marcellus Wiley, well, I, I necessarily didn't hear it, but he tweeted out, you know, he played through a broken, he played through a broken toe. And he was able to get through that, but he was not able to get through a cramp. It just shut him down. Shut him down. So he said, you know, I played through a broken uh, a broken toe, but I couldn't play through a cramp. And so he played through that toe, but he couldn't get through a cramp. And so the point is, you know, every situation is different. Here's the tweet right there. I have the tweet right here. I play with a broken toe, and I couldn't even stand up with cramps. LeBron's at a disadvantage in the heat because of his level of lean muscle mass. So he played with a broken toe, but couldn't even stand up with a cramp. That, I think that tells you something. That, that tells you something and, and what these cramps and how they can affect you. And so Marcellus Wiley says he played with a broken toe. Toe all messed up, but couldn't play through a cramp. And so everybody, like I said, and, and, and not to belabor the point and not to keep repeating Jalen Rose, but Jalen Rose said it best. Everybody's walked to school now. just got a little longer because everybody is saying, oh, when I was young, I used to walk four miles to school. Actually, you told me it was one mile school a year ago. One mile to school. Now you're telling me it's four. So it increased by three miles. I mean, you got a lot of, a lot of those stories now 
being told. A lot of those stories being told right now. That's just, you know, it is what it is. And obviously everybody, LeBron James said the best, he's an easy target, and he is an easy target. When you're the best, you are the easy target. When you're at the top, of course you're an easy target. That's the nature of the beast. That's the nature of the beast. When you're the best, it's so easy to go after the best. So easy to go after the best. Too easy to go after the best because they're at the top. And we know they're the best. And they're the easiest to go after. Who, and, and quite frankly, no one cares if you're at the bottom. Who cares about the person at the bottom? We all care about the person at the top. So, of course, it's easy to go after LeBron James because he's at the top. He's at the top. It's easy. It's simple to go after the man at the top. And people only care about the one at the top. That's all people care about, the man at the top. So we'll see what happens in game two. And we'll get to game two later in the show, talk about it, see what may happen, and see if the San Antonio Spurs can now go up two games to nothing in this series. Spurs only lost one time on their home court in these playoffs. One time. That's it. So the San Antonio Spurs have protected their home court throughout the course of these playoffs. Rashad McCants, he came out yesterday, and we all know the, the scandal in North Carolina and what was talked about in terms of, you know, players going to easier classes, players getting papers written for them, things of that nature. We know the scandal. And so he comes out now, talks about it some more. Yesterday, talked about it with ESPN and talked about how he took, quote-unquote, sham classes and how he would not go to certain classes, not attend a lot of his classes, and still he was eligible. And it's, it's... you know, it's similar to what we was reported about class, apparently, in the African-American studies, African-American studies classes. Uh, some of those classes were, quote-unquote, paper classes, where all you had to do was write a paper. That's all you had to do was write a paper. We'll get back to that in a moment. We're going to bring in a guy now, um, Hall of Famer, knows what it takes to play through grueling, tough conditions, knows what it takes to play through the heat, deal with the heat, work with the heat, and play through it. Let's bring him in now, Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. Willie. How you doing, Paul? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, Paul. <laughs> I just want to say a few things. The, Go ahead. The AC, the AC has never gone off in a basketball <laughs> game, especially the finals. Do, uh, anybody who thinks that was done on accident, everybody knows LeBron has had a problem cramping. I don't know why he has such an issue cramping, but it's been going on for several years now. Um, I think it's something he's going to have to address. I don't know, you know, what type of if he's not hydrating, drinking enough water during the day, but it is it is a factor that he needs to address so he can deal with this in the future. <laughs> 
So you're saying that this was, was, was purposely done. You're saying that it's a little suspicious. Maybe not purposely done, but you're definitely saying it's a little suspicious. I'm saying it's very suspicious that 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 the, in the in the in the first game of the finals that the ACs don't work. Now they never problem with the AC working in the in the other in the conference finals. So I don't understand how the how the AC wasn't working. I think it's very suspicious that the air conditioning didn't work at all the whole game. I have a problem with the heat staff. Uh, you know, if they know LeBron has this problem. Then you know I don't I don't know if you told me why wouldn't he administer the IV at halftime? You know I mean that's simple. You know I played football, professional football, and college football, and I, and I had this I had a body lockup at certain points in my career. It was because of nutrition or whatever over the summertime uh, going into training camp. But um, why wouldn't he administer the IV at halftime or or, or try? They said they gave him something. They said they gave he took some he took hydration pills. They said no, that that's not gonna do, it takes a while for that to kick in, Paul. You can take okay. salt tablets, hydration pills. You should have somebody there that can give the man an IV. If you're really worried about it, you put the IV. It goes right into his bloodstream. You know that that, that you, you can get salt pills. But once you, once your body gets to that point, you know where 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 it's getting ready to lock up. Uh, you know that you, you're past you're past the point of no return. Sometimes, so you know he needs to be administered an IV, which I've seen guys get IVs before during training camp in the heat. Uh, in, in a, you know after practice that they feel like they were gonna uh, when it's real hot outside. Uh, I, you know I've seen guys get IVs during halftime of football games. So I don't understand why he couldn't get an IV. They said I've I've read places where they said he had some. They gave him some kind of IV, but apparently, whatever it didn't work. I mean, it just whatever you know, whatever they gave him, they didn't work. And and you know, let me ask this. Obviously, when you when you prepare for a basketball game or a football game, in your case, you and you know it's going to you know you're going to deal with adverse conditions. You prepare yourself days before the game. Hours before the game, what what is the process in that? Well, you know, if you have a problem like this, you prepare yourself to deal with that issue, so it, it should be eliminated. So, it, it, I wouldn't say it's days and hours. I, I would say that you know, you 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 would you would think he would just be hydrating a whole bunch and, and drinking a whole bunch of fluids, and and um, I mean that's all you can do is rest and drink a lot of fluids, but you have to get your body to be able to handle it and stop getting the cramps. First and foremost, I mean he, this has been an issue he's been dealing with for a few years, so you would think if that's an issue that you're dealing with, but eventually you're going to figure out what you need to do to your body so you don't have to deal with this issue anymore. And that's the main thing is is him figuring out what he's got to do so this doesn't keep happening. For sure, and for sure. I mean, and you know, we've seen it before, as you said. We we've seen it before in the NBA Finals a few years back against uh, OKC. We've seen this before from them. So, you know, you look at this whole situation now, looking at cramping, and and you said your body locked up. You said you dealt with this in college. What, what does that feel like when the body just locks up and you can't do anything? 
Well, you know, his when it didn't look like his was totally locking up. It, it was starting to lock up. I don't think he he didn't have mine would lock up in the legs. Uh, you know, totally lock up and uh, you couldn't move. I mean, you would just you, they would totally lock up and be like cramping up, and it would be like a whole body cramp, but it would just be in, like I said in my leg, my leg area. But once they locked up, I mean you. They throw me in the back of a truck and they and they rush you to the hospital. I mean, the only thing you can do at that point is go get an IV. Uh, I mean, okay. so I mean, it's it's, it's, it's painful. Uh, you know, you 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 don't have no control. I had a teammate, um, Joe Kennedy from Ruston, that played with us in um, during training camp. He stayed off campus in an apartment, and his whole body he was real real lean, muscular guy. And his whole body locked up, and it was just fortunate that somebody found him laying on the ground outside of his uh, apartment. But when your when your body locks up like that, when it seriously locks up, uh, you you basically uh, it's nothing you can do. You have to. You, you know, people want to say you you can't go back in the game. You mean you you know he tried to go back and play a little bit, but I mean at that point it was too late. But I, I mean I mean it's very painful. Uh, it, it's very. Uh, you know, like I said, you're at the mercy of your body. It's, it's nothing you can do. And, I mean, and here's the thing. You know, you got a lot of people coming out and saying, well, you know, Michael Jordan would have fought through this cramp. Kobe Bryant no. would have fought through the cramp. I mean, no. you know, kind of dispel that myth. No, it's not a cramp. It's a whole, your whole body is like, it's not a, it's not a Charlie horse. It's your whole you can't fight through it. If your body locks up, when we talk with the way we're talking about, you have it's nothing you can do. You can't move. So no, you, you're not gonna fight through it. You gotta go. If you know when it gets to that point, you know you gotta really go. I mean, if it was to that point, he was he was starting to lock up, but he wasn't to that point, and he wouldn't been sitting on that bench over there. He wouldn't have walked back to that locker room. So, you know, I don't know if he's had a full body lockup where he really locks up on him. But, um, you know, like like during the course of the game, when you, I mean, he's got to know when you start feeling that type of way. If you start feeling like you're going to have that, when you when you start, feel, when, when you get to knowing that, you know, you tell it, when, when I would be in, in the game and I could feel myself getting a little fatigued or starting to feel like, I, you know, I was going to get, get that dehydrated, you have to train to get your Gatorade. You get the Gatorade and you put salt in it, and you just drink the Gatorade with salt in it. You have to start, you know, replenishing your body and drinking a lot of fluids before it gets to that point. So he's got to be able to tell when his body's starting to get to that point, or you know, he sees it's going to be that type of day, and he knew as hot as it was, ninety degrees on that court, that this could happen. So every time he should have been drinking fluids. All the time. Any any time he came out the game, he should have been drinking fluids. At halftime, he should have been drinking fluids with salt in them. You know, you have to you have to put a lot of salt in your body to to replace the salt because that's, that's when you're locking up. All the salt is leaving your body. So you know, he he he, he eat potassium, eat eat bananas. I mean, he's got to do those type of things because he has this this problem. But like I said, it, it could have been a I don't know if they they were prepared, you know, the training staff right. to you know an IV. If he had had an IV at halftime, then and he's drinking some fluids with salt in him, then he's not leaving the game in the fourth quarter. 
Right. And and to, to your point, I stand corrected, he did take the IVs after the game. So, you know, I mean, you know, he he obviously, as you said. Yeah, he, he took the IV after the, the game, Paul. He did the IV at halftime. Okay, right. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. He he did take it after the game. Definitely took it after the game. And, um, you know, here's the thing. Let me ask you this. The Miami Heat know and knew about the situation with the AC, knew the temperature, so on and so forth. Should Eric Spolstra have done a better job of managing LeBron James's minutes, knowing that he is susceptible to cramping? Yes. Absolutely. And you got Pat Riley and them sitting in the stands. Absolutely. He should have pulled him out the game. He should have gave him more fluids. You know, he should have, and they should have known. They should have had some salt or whatever, poured it in the Gatorade and had him prepared, you know, during the course of the game. Put some ice on the back of his neck. They should have managed his minutes and took him out of the game so he could be ready to fourth. But they know they can't take him out of the game. LeBron James is one of the biggest, strongest athletes, but he's also, out of all those guys, if you look this up, Paul, LeBron has paid more minutes than anybody. Those guys, in, 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 I mean, Tony Parker was hurt some of the time. Uh, what it probably is, the, the starters, he only playing like 30 minutes a game. Dwayne Wade missed uh, 30 games. Uh, LeBron's played more minutes uh, than anybody on that court for this whole mm-hmm. season. So you look up the minutes played this year. I know LeBron's probably the top five in the league, but out of these guys in the finals, I know he's played way more minutes than anybody, and that's a factor. You know, it's going to catch up with you. All that playing basketball catches up with you at some point. But like you said, Popovich, I mean, um, Spolster should have took him out the game. He should have had, had Gatorade and stuff waiting for him. But don't give him an idea after the game. Give him an idea at halftime. You don't, what are you, you're not helping your team win if you wait till after the game. He needed an idea at halftime. And when he starts getting that kind of way, he needs to tell the trainers he's old enough now to know his body. I need an IV right now so I can finish this game. Now, if I need to know not to the game, I'll get it, but he needed an IV at halftime. He, he needed something. And, and, you know, obviously obviously this man's averaged 37 minutes a game. He's averaged 37 minutes a game throughout the course of this season. You remember, and just the type of minutes he's played. I mean, you know, uh, Dwayne Wade missing, as you said, with 20, I believe it was 28 exactly, 28 games, missing 28 games in the regular season. You know, when you have that particular situation, you know, LeBron James obviously is going to have to play a lot more minutes and a lot of crucial and, and, and tough minutes because he's going to have to pick up the scoring load. He's going to have to pick up the scoring load. And he did that. And he's played some big-time minutes, not only in these playoffs, but throughout the course of this regular season. Let me ask you this. Here's the thing. I look at this game and I'm watching the game, and to me, the Miami Heat, I look at this series and I'm almost thinking LeBron James almost has to be great in this series. He has to be super in this series for the Heat to win. And I know it's only one game, but I think LeBron James really has to be great in this series if the Miami Heat want to win and beat the San Antonio Spurs. Because Spurs are a better team than they were a year ago. Well, what do you mean they have to be great? I mean, the, the Miami Heat, no, the Miami Heat role players have been playing very good, excellent ball. And in the last series, if Rashard Lewis continues to play like he's playing, 
and going through the whole shooting his threes. I mean, they're, they're a better team, too, because he can do more than Mike Miller can give you on the offensive end. Ray Allen is playing some of the basketball, best basketball I've seen him play. So, I mean, yeah, Chris Bosh is starting to play. So I'm not going to say LeBron has to play great because Dwayne Wade's been playing outstanding basketball. LeBron James has to be LeBron James, and he has to, he has to, you know, run the point, run the point forward. Sometimes he's going to bring the ball up. He's got to do a lot on the defensive end, but that's what LeBron does for your team, and he makes them a lot better. But I'm gonna say the, the, the Heat, the Heat have been playing some excellent basketball right now. So I mean, uh, they were playing good basketball in that game when LeBron left that game. They had the lead before he, you know all this stuff started happening. The Heat had the, it was it was a, it was a back and forth ball game. It was going down to the wire. So that game was well, going me, down to the wire. I just don't understand why they didn't address the cramping situation if they know he has this issue at halftime. If LeBron told them he wasn't going to do it, he should have got an IV at halftime. Why wait till after the game? You, nobody says you have to wait till after the game to get an IV. But what I'm trying to tell you, the, the Heat are playing excellent basketball right now. So I think it's, it's, it's a tough series. I just don't like the fact that it was decided by uh, circumstances within within an arena, which we saw happen in the Super Bowl. I mean, we've seen this happen in the Super Bowl. We've seen the lights cut out. We, we've seen too much stuff just happening lately at the biggest stages, and it should not be happening in 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 situations where you're signing for championships. I don't think that should you should have any failure with your facilities when it's when it's that time of year if you haven't had any failures. Until, up until that point, well, I don't understand that. Let me ask you that, and I understand that you believe that. I mean, I, I have to agree. They are a little. The circumstances are a little suspicious. They are a tad suspicious. I'm not saying they purposely did it, but it does look. Oh, suspicious. it was but burning up in there. The fans were burning up in there, man. This isn't high school gym. This isn't basketball <laughs> high school gym when you just. Uh, you know, playing in the hot box. I mean, it's the NBA Finals. I agree, but let me ask you. You talked about the Miami Heat and how well the team has been playing, and I want to, I want to, I want to counter that for for a moment now. You know, you you play the Charlotte Bobcats, Al Jefferson not a hundred percent. It's a lot easier to look good against them. You play the Brooklyn Nets, Darren Williams not a hundred percent. Brooklyn Nets an older basketball team. You roll through them, and then you play the Indiana Pacers, and the Indiana Pacers. Have been haven't been a good basketball team since the second half of the season, and they barely squeak by the Atlanta Hawks, sub okay. 500 Atlanta Hawks, and they, and they get by the Washington Wizards. So to me, it's a lot easier to look good against that particular that, talent. That's a rivalry team. Indiana, Indiana Pacers are always going to play the Heat hard, and the Pacers once the Heat started pounding on them, it, it was the, the series changed. But these. It's like a team that's not that good in the NFL, but when they play against their uh, their rival, they're gonna play them hard. You know that. You know how that goes, Paul. So, but even with, even I, I with mean, the, I'm saying, I'm, I'm not saying that he's played the good every season, every series. But as the series have been progressing, they played better, and Dwayne Wade has been playing better this this playoffs than he did last year. They're not draining his knees, and he's been a lot more efficient. He's shooting 57% for the field, and he's making the three. So when they're playing like this, 
Why do you think? Oh, okay, if they want, if they not, if they weren't scared of the heat, then the AC doesn't go off. How about that one, Paul? Well, <laughs> I, I get that. But let me. Here's the thing, San Antonio. You know, it's not like the Spurs. Other than that fourth quarter when they scored 36 points, made 14 out of their 16 shots, six or six from downtown. Other than that, I mean, this team really didn't play that great. They did have 23 turnovers. That's a oh, lot of turnovers. That's defense. That means the Heat was, was in the passing lane and the Heat were picking them off. Yeah, they had 23 turnovers. I get some of those were lazy passes, but you still got to get credit to the Heat for making them commit 23 turnovers. No, so no, what I am, I'm but saying is for three quarters, they were all played. They were all played for three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, when the ball left the game, they took over and dominated. And that's what they're supposed to do. But I think it was an unfair advantage. If the heat was broke, if the AC was broke, <laughs> it should have been fixed by halftime. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right? You know, here's the thing. You, they still made 14 out of 16 shots in the fourth quarter. Still made six for six from still were six for six from downtown. So my point is, even and even if the LeBron James the game. was healthy, no, I I get that, I get that, I get that. But I mean, I think we should also give credit to what San Antonio did in that fourth quarter. I mean, they really took over the basketball game, and I know it helped that LeBron James wasn't there, but. I mean, Tim Duncan was big time in this game, and in that fourth quarter, this team just really took off and they closed out the game. Do you think it would have been different if LeBron James was in? Oh, How they didn't. Okay, they were, they were. Okay, it was seven minutes left in the fourth, and it was a one-point game. So they they scored a lot of them points with the seven minutes. Uh, in, in the, so yeah, yeah, they played good. But I, don't, I think it's a different game if LeBron's in the game. LeBron gets in the game, he goes right to the hole and makes a layup. And then they have to leave, and, that's, and, then, and then it's over. So I understand what you're saying. Senator Diaz playing good. They're playing good. I think they're two very, very evenly matched teams. You can't say that he don't play good. Boy, I don't no, no. better than he's ever played. Uh, Dwayne, like I said, Dwayne shooting 57%. Bosch was making threes in that game. Rashard Lewis was making shots in that game. So they weren't stopping the Heat either. I mean, and, and they had 20-some turnovers. So I understand what you're saying. They got hot. We'll see what happens. They're old. Now, I hope this doesn't backfire on Popovich. You want to do this to the Heat? Okay. Let's see how your guys respond. I know it's three or four days. Let's see how they respond Sunday. Let's see how their legs are Sunday. Since they want to turn on the heat and turn the air off, let's see how the, those because the guys from San Antonio are older too. So we'll see how Tim Duncan plays. We'll see how uh, Tony Parker plays, and we'll see how, we'll see if Danny Green gets hot. Cause Danny Green didn't do nothing to the fourth quarter. We'll see how Ginobili plays because Ginobili was making big shots too. So he we'll was. see how these guys play. We'll see how they play game two. The series can turn real fast. They said it's not going to be any malfunctions with the AC Sunday. So we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. So we're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rose. So you feel like that the Miami Heat will still win this series? I know you. I got a text, and you said the Miami Heat in six. You still feel that way? I still think he's going to win the series. I think that was. The, I think that. I think that game was going to go either way if the circumstances were different, and we have AC. 
for the second half or whatever, the Browns that lead the game is going down to the wire. I don't know. I'm not saying the Heat win the game. I'm saying it's going to go down to the wire. And I think uh, they won game one. We'll see what happens game two. And this series is 2-2-1-1-1. So this is yep. 2-3-2 series. Yep. But here's the thing. Bottom line is this. You know, you know, Spurs get game one. But if there's a seventh game, it's in San Antonio. And so San Antonio, seventh game in San Antonio. As far as I could, and history tells us you get a game seven in your building, I believe 80% of the time you win. So... Yeah, they better turn. They better turn to, the, if, if it's a game seven, they better turn the turn the AC off again. <laughs> and they better give LeBron James an IV at halftime, put some salt <laughs> in his Gatorade. He can't just drink Gatorade. Put some salt in it. That's training one on one. It's not complicated. That's training one on one. You put salt in the Gatorade. But here's the thing, and. and you know, everybody's body is different. Everybody's body is susceptible to It doesn't matter. If you're cramping up, you have to have more salt in the Gatorade, potassium. You have to have salt. Put salt in the Gatorade. I don't care who it is. If you have a cramp <laughs> body issues, you put salt in the Gatorade. Now you, you, you need said, salt. You said, you, <laughs> you said with your body locked up, the time that your body locked up, you said nutrition-wise, you weren't really eating what you needed to be eating. Yeah, we're talking about, the, I was a college student. I, this is what our coaching staff had went to see the Cowboys practice. So they come back to Louisiana Tech and want to make us run 16 110s. And it's very, very hot, damn humid. And and we're coming off the summer. I think I was maybe a redshirt freshman, uh, sophomore, I can't remember. In the summertime, you're just trying to survive. You don't have training tables and stuff like that. You're a college kid. You don't have a lot of money. You know what I mean? You 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 more worried about hanging out with your fellas and drinking a little beer or whatever. So yeah, I, nutritionally, I, my body wasn't I wasn't putting the right stuff in it over the summer because you, you don't have the resources to do it. Uh, you just eat what you can. And uh, I went to summer school. So, yeah, I, I, now looking back on it, I got out there and tried to run those 110s. And, uh, you know, like walking down that hill, and I could t- feel I was turning purple, and, and, and I locked up. And when I locked up that day, you know, I, I went and got an IV. Well, since I locked up bad, you know, right after that uh, that day, I tried to go back out and practice, and and and, and, and I probably need to, to just let my body rest for a couple of days. And I locked up again because I wasn't I wasn't replenished enough. So that's when I had to stay overnight in the hospital and get the you know get the IV and I don't, I don't know if I had IV the first the first day I can't remember this was a long time ago around 1990 80 you know so we're talking about 25 years ago. But what right, I'm saying right. is I stayed in the hospital all night got the IV in me and I didn't have that problem again. Now when I was in the pros I would start feeling that way. And when you feel, because I drink a lot of water during practice, I don't like drinking a lot of Gatorade because it bloats you. It bloated me. So, um, you know, I would go, if your trainer comes to one, tell the trainer, and they put salt in your, um, give you a drink with salt in it. They shake it up, 
and you drink that to make sure you, you know, make sure you, you know, I don't, you got to drink more Gatorade or Peter Light and stuff like that if you start feeling that kind of way. But you got to put something extra in it to, you know, to make sure you getting, uh, you know, getting the stuff that's going to stop you from, uh, stop you from locking up again. And just, just right. drinking Gatorade isn't going to do it. But, you know, like you said, the key thing is how many fluids is he drinking throughout the day? Every day he should be drinking a whole bunch of different fluids right now up until that game on Sunday. And that's going to be the key. Eating bananas, what all he's doing right now, you know, resting, uh, you know, and, and like I said, that's, that's going to be key. When that when you have a lockup, there's nothing you can do. You you can't right. you can't move. It's, it's not like you can you can't do anything. And, and they said the court was real wet. I mean, it's people sweating all over that court. You can slip. Something can hurt. Something, something can happen to some of these athletes when they're sweating like that. You know, it's, you know. I mean, like I said, they're, they're not playing uh, basketball in the summer league in Watts. You know, they're playing for the, for the NBA championship game. But we we've we've seen you know hotter hotter than what it was in San Antonio in the eighties when in, in the old Boston Garden. We we've seen it. What I saw, what one hundred twenty degrees, almost you know over a hundred degrees playing basketball. And you know, I mean, you know. Obviously, it's a different era, and I'm not saying I'm not questioning LeBron James's toughness. I'm just saying we've seen it before, and I'm not and I'm not one of these guys who believe if if your body locks up, there's nothing you can do. If you're hurt, you're hurt. You can't go, you can't go. I mean, I don't. I'm not one who question people when they say those type of things. I'm just saying what we saw in the '80s and we, what we've seen guys play through. Okay, but they were used to that. They practiced it every day. They played in it. So it's a different, your body got used to it because you practice and you play in it all the time. So if you're not practicing it and you're not playing in it, they're not practicing in hot boxes in the NBA. They're not playing in hot boxes. They're playing in Ecclesiastes stadiums. If LeBron and those guys, and I'm pretty sure LeBron and all those, all those guys have played basketball in high school or college or whatever, you know, not college, but they played in hot boxes before. But they're not doing that on a regular basis. So... They're not used to practicing or playing in that anymore. I remember when I went to basketball camp at UCA uh, uh, in, in by '87, and we played in a nice gym at UCA. And then during the camp, they bust us over and took us over to a high school gym, and it was hot as crap in there. And they did that just to test us, you know, to push you to see 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 how you play in those adverse situations. That's some of the stuff they put us to in camp because. They just wanted to see what, how we respond to it. You know, but we're talking about, so LeBron and them guys have played in all kinds of circumstances, outside in the heat, you know, whatever. Right. But like I said, he, had, he probably hadn't done that in a while, and nobody thought that AC was going to be off the whole game. I'm pretty sure the coaches staff and them thought, okay, well, they'll have some man on here after halftime if it's not working, you know, in the first half. But obviously, you know, it didn't work for the whole game. We're talking all of him and Willie Rofe. And to your point, we, we talked about you talked about the minutes. LeBron James in the regular season was six in minutes played in the NBA. He said he was six. And the San Antonio Spurs, you look at three of their key guys: Duncan, Parker, and Kawhi Leonard, both 95. Parker at 95, Duncan at 96, and Kawhi Leonard at 97. So, 
to your point. We mean 97. 97 in terms of where they rank in terms of minutes played per game. Exactly. Kawhi Leonard, the young, a young guy who can play more minutes. Why is he only playing? Yeah, 97th. 97th. It could, I mean, he played in 66 games. I know he had some injury issues as they well throughout the course of the year. Yeah, but, you know, to your point, these guys, the San Antonio Spurs are a well-rested basketball team just based off of minutes. LeBron James has had to play a lot of tough minutes. Okay, who's, who's ahead of LeBron in minutes? Uh, I believe it was... Uh, let me double check. I believe it was no James Harden. I believe was number one. No Melo was number one. Kevin Durant was three. DeRozan, Demar DeRozan was four. James Harden was five, and LeBron James was six. Gotcha. So that's where it stands in terms of minutes per game, minutes played per game in the NBA during the course of the regular season. So LeBron James, out to your points, played a lot of tough, grueling minutes throughout the course of his regular season. We'll see. We'll see. And, he, and, 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 he, and let's not just start the regular season. Throughout the course of his whole career, especially sure. earlier in his career, and he played a lot of basketball, playing for the Olympics and some about you know. So he played a lot of basketball, and that's why he said he he's not going to be on the Olympic team. But he, every year, if you look at his, his minutes played over the last ten years, he, he'd be in the top ten every year, I think. So I mean, that's a lot of basketball. It's four straight years in the finals, and when you Dwayne Wade's been rested or injured most of the time, and LeBron didn't really miss a lot of games per year. If you look at the games average, he's probably averaging, you know, high seventies, eighty games a year. So he does, he had missed a lot of basketball. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's a lot of basketball left. I said the Heat in six. You know, maybe it'll be the Heat in seven. Um, I just think the Heat have a lot of talent. The Heat are kind of like, if you so you'll say this, you, I compare Heat to Tiger Woods when he was younger on the golf course. The Heat can figure a team out and kind of stalemate them and, and, and get after them more during the course of a series. Uh, and I'll look at what you said. The key is going to be what they're going to do. You know, slowing, watching Danny Green. But we'll see how Tony Parker does throughout the course of the series. Now, you can't let Tim Duncan go 9 for 10 from the field. You can't let him, no. you know, he went 21 10, but he can't shoot, you know, 90%. So you got to slow, you got you, 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 you got to slow him down off, on offensive end of the, of the, of the court. And uh, I don't know if you're going to post up Chris Bosch more, what you're going to do, but you got to slow him down. So other other than that, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, Tony Parker is the key, and uh, and what's called Danny Green. But like you said, I mean, they did a good job. Uh, LeBron uh, had to lead the game in the fourth, and uh, you know, you know that's the way they won the game. So, but if for anybody for anybody who thinks that you can do anything when your body's locking up, it's, you know, it's nothing you can do. And if you got a Charlie horse, that's something different. But when your whole body starts to lock up, uh, you have to go get an IV if you're going to continue sure. to play in that game. And you talked about Duncan and Splitter, and you just talked about slowing down Duncan, but Duncan and Splitter were a combined 14 for 16 from the field. So you got to make them work a little harder. I mean, that's just, that just sounds too easy and looks too easy. 
for the San Antonio Spurs. But we'll see what Better. happens. I like the Spurs. I like the Spurs in seven. So we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. Willie, pleasure of getting your insight on this, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Uh, you too, and I'll be looking for you in December when I'll be headed to New York while also being D.C. Then my grandma and aunt will be out in Virginia for the uh, for the 4th of July. But, uh, you know, okay. I'm looking forward to coming up there in December. For sure. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Willie Rofe, Hall of Famer. Just getting an athlete's perspective on what happens when you have cramps and, you know, playing through cramps and dealing with that particular situation. I mean, it's interesting conversation, interesting situation, and we'll see. And I don't think it's going to be a problem game two, and I think LeBron will be fine and hopefully he'll be hydrated, hopefully the body will be good, and hopefully he'll be able to finish the game for the Miami Heat's second hour of go for it starting right now. Welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything anything in the playoffs, Tom. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you you a bone, man. I was trying to get your your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. I just don't know what you're capable. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back trying to make it fun, trying to talk sports, have fun doing it. Thank you to Willie Rofe, uh for coming on stopping by, giving his take on what he saw from LeBron James the other night. Rashad McCants. Um, before Willie came on, we were talking about – we are about to talk about Rashad McCants and that whole situation – I mean, we, we've heard the story in terms of North Carolina and, you know, talking about the paper classes and the classes where, you know, only thing he had to do was pretty much write a paper. And he said, you know, he had people write papers for him and things of that nature. I mean, first of all, what kind of – is it, you know, paper classes? I mean, it's crazy, you know. It's all crazy, you know. When you, when you go through and, and, and go take classes, and you don't even have to show up. All you got to do is write a paper for it, you know. That's got to be a decent class to take. <laughs> but anyway, you know, he said, you know, a lot of his, he was steered towards African-American studies classes. He said a lot of other athletes also were steered 
to those type of classes. And basically he's saying that he didn't really get anything. He didn't, he basically he was he's glad he was glad that he didn't, you know, well not glad, but he talked about he didn't basically didn't get an education all like that. You know, didn't really get at all an education like that from North Carolina. Didn't get the education that he felt maybe he should have gotten going to North Carolina. He pretty much was at North Carolina to play basketball and to win a championship and to, you know, so on and so forth. And so, you know, there's players from North Carolina who disagree with him, who've come out against him, and which is expected. I mean, North Carolina is a major big-time university. So a lot of people are going to be out there, you know, protecting their alma mater. And it's probably in their best interest to try to protect the University of North Carolina. I mean, even you might even argue it's probably in Rashad McCants' best interest to keep this to himself. Now, I know he said he's going to write a book about, you know, his time in college and, and so on and so forth. So that could be one of the reasons why he's coming out now with this, because he's in the process of, of writing a book, in the process of, of, you know, doing and trying to make some money off of this whole situation. You know, maybe he's ready to make some money off this whole situation. So, I mean, you know, he did say, well, you know, according to transcripts, and that was getting, you know, obtained by outside the lines at ESPN, you know, 50% of his classes were African-American studies classes. And so, you know, as he said, a lot of players, a lot of athletes went that route in terms of African-American studies. And, and I'll say this. I mean, I, I've taken some African-American studies classes at Temple University. Um, did I think those classes were a little easier? They may have been. But also, did I learn a lot from them? I did learn a lot from those classes. And, and so I learned a lot from those classes. And I got a lot from those classes. So I, I have no complaints in terms of the African-American studies department at Temple University because not only did I learn a lot, I got good grades in those classes, but I did, at the end of the day, I learned a lot. And that's the key. You learn a lot. I learned a lot in those classes. So, you know, it's. I mean, what he's bringing out maybe is true, not true, what have you, but it's not surprising. It's not surprising that uh, uh, big-time universities are, are, are doing this to make sure that their kids graduate, doing this to make sure that their kids stay eligible. This is not surprising at all. It's not surprising at all. Um, you know, I did take an African-American studies class at Temple, and in that class, I took it with a, an athlete at Temple, played basketball at the time. I'm not going to name names, but he played basketball at the time. And, you know, out of the whole semester, I may have saw this guy maybe two times. I may have only seen him about two times. So, uh, you know, dealing with that and, and, and seeing this story and, you know, seeing guys talk about this particular thing, it's not surprising. It's not surprising at all. And I know a lot of people have said some things about Rashad McCants and his character and the type of guy he is. But what would be his benefit? I know he's talking about writing a book, but I, I would think this wouldn't really help him because I think it would be in his best interest to, you know, stay connected and stay close to the University of North Carolina and talk good about the University of North Carolina. You know, it's not like Rashad McCants is a star. I know he's playing overseas. But his NBA career only lasted four years, and it probably should have lasted longer because I think this guy has some talent. He could score the basketball. But anyway, anyway, 
the bottom line is this, you know, whether this story is true or not true is definitely not surprising if it is true. And it wouldn't be surprising if it wasn't true. But, you know, I'm not here to say these universities, when it comes to these athletes, are doing what's best for a lot of these guys in terms of getting them an education. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, you know, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. I don't know. But there's a lot of smoke here when you're talking about the story in North Carolina. You know, you've seen stories. I remember I've seen one on outside, not outside the line, real sports on HBO, uh, hearing stories about guys and taking sham classes and taking, you know, not showing up to classes, having people write their uh, their books and write their uh, papers and things of that nature. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with this story moving forward. But am I shocked? No, not at all. We're going to go back to the NBA Finals now. We've got a, a player's perspective and on how they handle cramping and, and things of that nature. We're going to get a coach's perspective now. Let's bring him in now. St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach and a guy who's been our NBA analyst throughout the course of these playoffs, Marlon Guild. Marlon. Hey, Paul. How's it going, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm uh, doing all right, man. Doing all right. Hanging in there. Thanks for joining us. And, and Marlon, let's get right down to it, man. I mean, I want to get your perspective as a coach. You know, 90 degrees in the AT&T Center, LeBron James, history of cramping. Should Eric Spolstra have done something differently in terms of LeBron James's minutes and managing his minutes? Uh, I, I, I don't think you can do anything different. You know, you pretty much have to go with how the player's feeling. You know, and obviously LeBron felt he was good enough to go back in the game. And, uh, you know, the move that he made to the basket is a move that he can make ten times out of ten. And, uh, you know, if you played, you understand what it's like to cramp up. Uh, so, you know, you hear, see a lot of people talking about the situation on Twitter, you know, talking about it in other sports outlets. My thing to that is, like, cut it out. Uh, anybody that's played knows that you get cramps, you're crying for anybody. And, and you're almost looking like Doc Rivers when he tore his ACL with the Knicks back in the 92-93 season. So, Stop it. Everybody that has something to say that LeBron's this, LeBron's that, cut it out. If you were in that situation, I guarantee you, you'd be in a far worse position than LeBron was. And let me ask you this. I mean, you look at the situation, and I totally agree with you. And it's similar to what um, Jalen Rose said at the, end of, um, at the end of the game. He was saying that everybody's walk to school just got a little longer. You know, everybody's talking about they would have fought through this, played through that. And, and to your point, I mean, it's kind of kind of silly because, you know, it's cramps and it just shuts your body down. I never had it, but just judging by what people are saying and talking to athletes, you know, when it shuts down, it shuts down and, and you're done. You can't do anything. Oh, no. And that's what totally. we go, go ahead. Totally. Um, I, I remember catching uh, a cramp. And, you know, we, we call it Charlie Horse over in Brooklyn. Uh, just being in, in the park all day, uh, it, it was a Sunday. I, I remember it, you know, like it was yesterday. It was a Sunday, and I had probably been in the park for maybe about six hours. Uh, and I got home, and I took a shower. And the, the backside of my, uh, of my calf, my calf area, just froze up on me. And, you know, it was one of those feelings like, and I, I'll be honest, man, I'm, 
I was almost in tears. You know, now granted, you know, I'm 13, 14, 15 years old at the time, so, you know, a little different. You know, maybe if I'm LeBron's age, 28, 29, I'm probably not crying. You know, my manhood will probably step into play, but, I, you know, I remember catching a serious one at, at that age, and, and I almost felt like, you know, I was going to cut my foot off. It, it hurt that bad. So, it, you know, it, it's one of those things, you know, you can't control that stuff. Um, but I, I will say this, just to follow up your point, I guarantee you game two he'll be ready to go, and you might see a performance we haven't seen in a while. So you're, you're talking about a possible performance of the ages, if you will, for LeBron James in game two when he comes back and the air is all good and everything is all right. And Sanj, I want to ask you this. I, I, watching watching the game one and watching what I saw, to me, you know, Eric Spolster is really nothing he could have did to your point. I thought he, you know, just looking at the way the basketball game went, you almost had to keep LeBron James in there because when he was on the basketball court, your team was flourishing. The moment he goes off the basketball basketball court, your team falls apart, and, and that was pretty much the end of the ball game. Looking at this and, and, and moving forward, I look at the Spurs. They seem to be a much better team, deeper team than they were a year ago. How different are these Spurs teams from last year to this year? Uh, I, I don't think it's a different team. Still the same team, but they understand that, hey, we should have won in game six last year. You know, So now it's like they're going to leave no stone unturned. But at the same time, I'm still going to stick with my Spurs in seven. But just to go back to touch on LeBron for a quick second, you hit it right on the head. When the last basket that he scored, it put the heat up too. So when he was in the game, who knows how that game would have ended if he would have stayed in the game. But let's not forget that the bucket that he got to put him up to, about three minutes to go, I believe it was, uh, you know, probably would have won the game for Miami if he stayed in the game. And like I said, I'm not changing my stance. I'm going to still stick with the Spurs in seven. But, you know, for all the bashing that goes on, let's just remember the Heat were up while he was in the game. Right. Just one quick correction. That fourth quarter, that bucket, that put him down too. But that was after the second time he came back. The first time, he, you know, before he left the first time, they were up. When he came back, that layup made it two, but the Spurs were up two. But to your point, at at the end of the day, I mean, to your point, you know, Spurs, the Miami Heat only scored three more points the rest of the game. So it was like, you know, LeBron James needed to be in there if they were going to win that game. Right, very true, very true. Um, you know, just, just going back to the game as a whole, I, I thought, uh, you know, the, the, the Heat – cover down defense, you know, had some slip-ups here and there, but, you know, you're, you're probably not going to get a better defensive uh, team help game from a team like right. from what we saw from Miami in game one. Uh, I mean, the Spurs were turning over the ball left and right, which is uncharacteristic. Exactly. Uh, that, um, you know, so, so all those little things, but at the same time, I think where Miami struggled was uh, in the high ball screen situations. You know, they would have their uh, smaller players in the corners, and, you know, they've come off the pick and roll for the Spurs, 
and it's almost like, you know, you could pick them apart. Uh, you could pick Miami apart on where you threw the ball in the paint. And, you know, I, I think that will be the key for the Spurs going forward, you know. Can they continue to beat up Miami in the paint, score inside with, uh, you know, you know what you're going to get from Tim Duncan. Uh, you know, Boris Diaw was out there looking marvelous, uh, you know, with his <laughs> passing ability. And, uh, you know, nobody's going to talk about this, but Tiago Twitter had, had a big game, you know, double-digit points. Uh, you, you know, the, the, those are huge. And, you know, Ginobili came to play. I, I thought Tony Parker was, you know, pretty consistent, you know, with the question mark on how he would be for game one uh, with his injury. Uh, but, you know, just, just, just watching the game, you know, Miami did just enough to win the game. But, you know, obviously LeBron getting hurt. And, uh, you know, the Spurs mm-hmm. were able to close it out. They're veterans. They should know how to do that. And, and they, they they closed it out big time. And, and here's the thing, also the way they closed it out, they only missed two shots in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, I think we can all say that maybe if LeBron James was in there, it may be a little different, but maybe it wouldn't have. No, very true. Very true. Uh, but, but at the same time, you know, he is probably the best player in the league. You know, and you know he's going to have the ball in his hands every possession uh, down down the stretch of the game. Uh, I think the way the Heat are built, it's either going to be LeBron with the ball or Dwayne Wade with the ball. And uh, you know you can't go wrong with either one of those guys having the ball uh, starting the offense. And I'm pretty sure they were going to end your offense. So you know I, I can see that happening again again too. We're talking to our NBA analyst, Marlon Gill, St. Peter's College assistant, basketball coach. And let me ask you this. We, we, you, you talked about Duncan and Splitter and how much they, how well they played, and those guys combined for making 14 out of 16 shots for the San Antonio Spurs. Can the Heat correct that? Can that be corrected? I mean, Duncan, I don't think they can correct. Obviously, 9 for 10, you don't expect him to do that. But Splitter, can they correct that situation? Can they? Go ahead. Well, if they want to win another championship, you have to. You don't have a choice. Um, you know, I think with Tim Duncan, he's almost automatic. I mean, I think going back to last year's series, you know, he probably only missed three shots a game in that series as well. Uh, so you know what you're going to get from him. He's going to be pretty efficient. You know, he's going to take his uh, eight or nine, uh, eight or nine makes. You know, eleven out of eleven, twelve attempts. You know that that's that's more than efficient, man. That, that's numbers that you rarely see in an NBA game. A guy shoots seventy five percent from the field. You know that doesn't happen. Uh, but you know this guy showed that he consistently does that and put those numbers up. So I think more so letting Duncan get his points, but you can't have Splitter get double figure points. Um, you can't let. Uh, Tony Parker get into the paint so easily. And, you know, I, I know I, I dog Mario Chalmers a lot. Uh, he's got to do a better job guarding Tony Parker. I, I thought in game one, he, you know, foul trouble obviously took him out of the game as a whole. He, he's got to step up his uh, his performance. And you know what? The, the, the big guys from Miami have to step up. You know, Chris Bosch has to, you know, stand his ground in, in the paint. Birdman, the same. Uh you know, and I, I'd say this. I might even play Haslam a little bit in the front court just to bring some toughness. Do you dust off Greg Oden? 
No, I keep Greg Oden right where he is. Uh, to be honest, I, I'd rather Greg Oden go back to wearing suits than even having a Miami shooting shirt on right okay. now. <laughs> it, it's kind of hard to. He, he, he looks better I mean, with the suits on, man. Just, just my opinion. Just my opinion. Well, last time we did see him, Roy Hibbert really <laughs> roasted him in the first quarter. So uh, <laughs> it's probably a good idea. If, and, and, well, if that's the case, that's not helping you play in this series, man, because we know how Roy played in the last series. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, uh, um, <laughs> what do you feel like the Miami Heat need to do now in this game number two? Like, what do you what do you feel like they need to do to 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 win game number two, even this series up going back to Miami? Uh, well, well to, to even it out, um, I'll say this: they they got to fix the air conditioning system. Uh, that's the first thing. Uh, you, you know, it, it kind of felt like it was, you know, an old Celtics-Lakers uh, series from back in the day. For sure. But, but uh, you know, I, I think, you know, just stick to what they've been doing. You know, like, like I said earlier, the cover down team help defense, you know, was pretty pretty on point uh, in game one. You know, now the pick and roll defense is where they'd have to, improve, you know, shrinking the court a little bit, which is a little tough because you, if you have shooters in the corners, you know, ball, the ball can travel faster than a defense, defensive guy can't rotate over to the ball. So, you know, that, that's something that I think they would have to work on. And, you know, standing your ground in the paint, you know, it seemed like every bucket that the Spurs got aside from Manu Ginobili was in the paint. You know, you're not going to win a lot of games giving up points in the paint. So, you know, I, I think, you know, guarding the paint a little bit better, you know, will, will definitely benefit Miami having a chance to win game two. Uh, but I'll say this, for the Spurs, you know, they didn't play a perfect game, like I said, turning over the ball. And, uh, you know, yeah, you got help from Tiago Splitter, but just remember Kawhi Leonard didn't have a good game either. So he's bound to, to have a breakout game. You know, right. Tony Parker's going to get better as the series goes on. Uh, Manu Ginobili's first quarter, have, have we seen a first quarter like that in, in quite some time in, in the playoffs? No. He's so, you know, yeah, it, it won't be an easy task for Miami in game two. But, uh, you know, with all that being said, I, I think, uh, you know, that guy that, that wears number six is about 6'8", 250, 260. I, I think he's going to give us a show tomorrow night. Well, let me ask you this, and, and here would be my concern, and you mentioned this, and here would be one of my concerns if I'm a Heat fan. San Antonio Spurs, 22 turnovers. Like you said, really didn't play that great of a game, but when it was all said and done, they win game number one. But You can argue maybe LeBron had something to do with that, but they did win game number one. So I would be a little concerned if I'm a Miami Heat fan because – at the end of the day, Spurs didn't play their best, and they still won the game. Yeah, no, very true. They they, ha- they haven't played their best, and they still won the game. But, you know, I, I think having veterans, you know, that's where that helps. Uh, like I, I saw, like, like a crazy stat that they talked about during the first half of the game. I think uh, between Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker, they played 12 years together. Just think about that for a second. Just in right. this era of basketball, you don't see that. You know, guys sticking with one team uh, for that long and, and being effective. All three of those guys can kill you. Um, you know, and, and 
it speaks volume on, on those three guys and just on the organization as a whole that, hey, we're going to keep this thing together. These guys don't have egos. Uh, I, I almost look at those three as what, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder could have been if they would have been able to kept, keep hard, right. you know. Um, but I, I think you have to attribute that to all the success that the Spurs are having right now. You know, they, they don't get rattled. Uh, you go back to the closeout game against Oklahoma City. They probably should have won that game in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, some mishaps down the stretch, and for everything that Russell Westbrook was doing to throw that game, it still went into overtime, and, you know, the Spurs didn't panic uh, and just were able to close it out on the road. And, you know, you look at a situation where you would think Tim Duncan would be the guy that they throw the ball to to, uh, you know, close out a game. But it's somebody different every night that can step up. You know, Ginobili can hit a big shot. Parker can hit a big shot. Uh, Kawhi Leonard can hit a big shot. You know, Boris Diaz can make a make a pass that most guys his size can't make. Uh, you know, so it's just different guys, man, that can that can uh, do it to you for San Antonio. And you know, everybody knows their role and doesn't have an ego. And when you have all those things in place. You know, you're going to give yourself a chance to win every night. And the thing about Boris Diaw, you talked about him. Yeah, he only had 10 points, but he had six assists and 10 rebounds. So he, he did everything but score. But at the end of the day, when he was on the basketball court, the Spurs were plus 30. So that shows the impact of Boris Diaw. I mean, he had an impact against OKC. It's having an impact in this series as well. I, I agree with you. When it's all said and done, I just like to, I just like the way the Spurs are playing right now. I just they they have a feel. They just have that feel that they're going to win it, and it's that it's just their time this particular year. I do agree with you. I like the Spurs in seven as well, but it's hard to go against Miami and LeBron James. But <laughs> I just like the way the Spurs are right now. I definitely t- t- totally agree. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to stick to Spurs in seven. I, I think Miami wins tomorrow night, though. I agree. I think Miami does come back and win game two. But I think when it's all said and done, the Spurs get it done in seven. It should be a great series. A lot of people are talking about it, and I look forward to continuing to talk about it with you moving forward. Marlon, a pleasure talking to you, man. Nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. No problem, as always. Thanks for having me, man. Take care. Marlon Guild, assistant basketball coach, St. Peter's College. Also, our NBA analyst throughout the course of these playoffs. And, you know, it's game two of these finals. is going to be very, very interesting. And bottom line is this. I mean, do you expect Ginobili to have the type of game that he had? Maybe. I mean, he could continue to play well. He's played well. He played well against OKC, and he could continue to play well in this series. But, again, you got to solve Tiago's splitter. You can't him, let him have that type of impact on the game. You can't let him have five for six from the field. You can't let him have 14 points. You can't. So you have to solve Tiago's splitter. And if you can solve Tiago's splitter, obviously, you know, you, and, and, and it's something they can do, but, you know, at the same time, the Miami Heat are a little light down low. But, again, you have to solve Tiago's splitter and what he does. And if you can do that, I think, obviously, that's going to go a long way and you win in game number two. Also, I think some of the things that the Miami Heat need to do moving forward, I mean, I think their big three played 
fairly well. Obviously, they need LeBron James just to close the game. LeBron James needs to be on the basketball court at the end of this game if the Miami Heat want to be successful. So he needs to close the game. He needs to be on the court, and with the air conditioner being fixed, that should help. But you need him on the court finishing games. And I think, you know, I I believe you're going to need him a lot more in this series than you may have needed him in other series. I, I just think he's going to have to step up and it's going to have to be big, bigger. You need him to be bigger. You need him to be bigger. And, and Mario Chalmers has to play better. I mean, only, and, and he wasn't foul trouble, five fouls, but only three points, and that was only one three-pointer that he made. He has to be big. Bosch I was okay with. Rashard Lewis, four for ten, I was, I'm okay with that. I mean, D. Wade, eight for 18, I'm okay with that. But we got to get more. First of all, LeBron James has to finish games, and I think that that won't be a problem. And I think Mario Chalmers has to give you more. Ray Allen was fine. You know, 6 for 12, 16 points, he's fine. What he brought to the table was fine. So if the Heat are going to win game two, Chalmers has to be better, LeBron James has to finish, and Tiago Splitter needs to be limited. You can't let Tiago Splitter hit you for 14 points and only five, you know, five for six from the field. Only miss one shot. You can't have that. You cannot have that. Ginobili has to continue to be big. Patty Mills, in the minutes that he gives, is going to have to be big. And, you know, Boris Diaw, as you can continue to get what you get from him. I mean, he doesn't have to score the basketball, but if he can get decent stat lines from Boris Diaw, you know, doing it all, passing the basketball, rebounding the basketball, you should be fine. You should be good to go. But, I, I mean, I, I look forward to this one. I look forward to this series. And the ratings are telling me that this series, it, a lot of people are watching. Highest rated. Game one since 2004. So the fans are, are enamored by this series. The fans are interested in this series. And so with that being said, I'm interested. Even if the fans aren't interested, I'm interested. And I can't wait for game number two. Can't wait. Should be a great, great basketball game. And we'll see if LeBron James can come back with a big-time performance. It wouldn't be surprising if LeBron James had a big-time performance in game number two. I mean, a lot of people are talking about LeBron James. A lot of people are bashing LeBron James. A lot of people are killing LeBron James. I mean, you've seen some of the pictures, some of the LeBron James pictures on, on social media. I mean, I guess they're called the memes, the memes. You've seen some of the LeBron James memes and, you know, all the pictures of him. And I mean, it was actually crazy. It was crazy. And everybody was going hard on LeBron James. They're going hard on LeBron James. I mean, it comes with the territory. It comes with being great. You know, that's what that's the, that's the nature of the beast when it comes to being LeBron James. That's just the nature of the beast. That's who it is. That's what it is. When you're on that type, when you're LeBron James, you're at the top of the sport. You're the most popular player in the game. People are going to come at you when you're doing wrong. Oh, they're going to praise the heck out of you when things are going great, but when they're going wrong, they're coming at you. They're going to come at you hard. They're going to come at you hard. So, I mean, this is a if you're a LeBron James basher, if you don't like LeBron James, this is a perfect time for you. You're in love right now. You're loving it. You're loving it because you have so much material out there. There is so much material out there, so much stuff to talk about. 
when it comes to LeBron James and his whole situation. And so you wonder, and I wonder, what LeBron's going to be do in game two. I think he's going to have a big-time performance. I really do. I think he's going to have a big-time performance. And I think the Miami Heat get it done in game number two. But still, at the end of the day, I like the San Antonio Spurs to win this series in seven. I just like the feel of the San Antonio Spurs. I just like what they are right now. I like what they are right now. And a lot of people believe that that game should have been canceled, game number one, because of the air. As Jeff Van Gundy talked about it, felt like maybe the game should have been stopped because of, you know, the 90-degree temperatures in the game. He felt like it should have been stopped. And I don't agree with him because at the end of the day, you know, everybody's dealing with the same thing. Jeff Van Gundy, he said the game should have been called at halftime. And is that just the nature of what we are as a society today, where, you know, we're, we're, we're not as tough, I don't think, as we used to be. The, 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 this is the wussification of our society, the wussification of our society. And, you know, to me, obviously we've seen guys playing 100-degree weather in the Boston Garden in the 80s. We've seen guys deal with the heat, get through the heat, break through the heat, and have success in the heat. We've seen it. We've seen it. And, you know, San Antonio had to deal with the heat just like the Miami Heat had to deal with the heat. So should the game have been stopped? I don't think so. I know Rod Thorne, Rod Thorne said that, you know, one of the league officials, he said if, you know, watching the game, he could see where he was at. If the officials would have said something to him about possibly – uh, shutting the game down, maybe they would have done it, but he said the floor was fine. And, you know, so all in all, the official said the floor was fine, the official said the game was fine, and the game continued on as it should have. I don't necessarily agree with Jeff Van Gundy on that. Was it un- an unfortunate event? Sure, definitely unfortunate that, you know, definitely unfortunate that the game affected, well, the the, the lack of air condition, air conditioning, affected the game, the outcome of the game. And again, you could argue maybe the outcome of the game wasn't really affected by the lack of air, but at the same time, LeBron James didn't play in, you know, some meaningful minutes he didn't play in. And at the end of the day, the Miami Heat only scored three points when LeBron James went out for the final time with just under four minutes to go. So we'll see. The game should have continued on. I had no problem with the game continuing on. And hopefully the AC, they said it will be, but hopefully the AC will be good to go, ready to go, and there won't be any problems. Just hopefully. You got to hope. Because, I mean, really, you don't want to see another team gain a competitive advantage because of that. You know, you don't want to see it. You don't want to see that. But we'll see. And I, I expect LeBron James to come up big in game two, and I'm I'm very interested to watch game two. Johan Santana, former Matt, former twin, trying to make a comeback, and his comeback bid may have ended, or at least ended for now, may have ended for good 
after he tore his Achilles tendon, 35 years old. You know, he's trying to come back from his shoulder and ultimately tore the tendon in his Achilles, and he's done. And that's a big-time major injury. You you rupture your Achilles tendon, man, you're done. It's rough. And he was pitching well. Pitching well, and the Orioles may have had had some plans for him. Had some plans for him, and ultimately, he was pitching well. And ultimately, you know, with his Achilles, with his Achilles, he's done. He's done. So, you know, you, you feel bad for him. You feel bad for the guy, 35 years old, and you wonder how much does he have left. You wonder if he will be able to make a comeback. If he will be able Will he be able to get back on the baseball diamond? And only time will tell, but this is a big blow to him. And you wonder if he will ever get another opportunity to come on back and play for any team in Major League Baseball. Colin Kaepernick. He got paid, folks. Colin Kaepernick got paid, and he got paid big time. Big time. And... You know, a lot of people I'm hearing the talk, maybe he wasn't worth it. Maybe they could have waited. Maybe they should have waited. Um, and I look at this situation with Colin Kaepernick and, you know, the money that he got here, big-time money, highest contract in the history of the NFL. So I don't disagree with what the 49ers did here. The bottom line is with Colin Kaepernick, it's either pay now or pay later, but you were going to have to pay him. It's either pay now or pay later. And the bottom line is you had to give Colin Kaepernick his money. There was no way that he wasn't going to get his money. And you could have took the route of you could have took the route of the Baltimore Ravens with Joe Flacco. And Given Colin Kaepernick, okay, you believe you're going to be good? Well, we'll see how good you actually will be. Play out this year. Play out this contract year, and we'll see how good you are. And if you play it out and do what you got to do, $20 million contract is yours. If you don't, then we're, we're going to figure out what we're going to do with you. But I look at this whole situation, they had to pay him. The market, you know, Jay Cutler, what, $18 million. When when Jay Cutler gets eighteen million, you, you take Colin Kaepernick has to be close, or, or worth more than twenty million. I mean, sixty million, sixty one million dollars in guarantees, sixty one, sixty one. Now, bottom line is this: Colin Kaepernick is a stud, is a star, and you know he deserves. The money, well, you could argue, I don't know if he necessarily deserves it, but just judging by the market, he has earned the contract that he's got. He's earned that contract. He's earned it. Now, in, in breaking down the contract, you know, you had original reports at $61 million. I'm going off the story on NFL.com. Actually, they're saying the actual signing bonus is $12.3 million in guarantees, Workout bonus of a hundred thousand and uh 
$645,000 base salary for 2014. And that is the only guaranteed portions of the contract. He does have roster bonuses of $2 million in each year of the contract. Also, from 2015 to 2012, if Colin Kaepernick doesn't play 80% of the snaps or, well, if he doesn't play, he can actually lose $12 million, I'm saying, I'm hearing, reading here, that if he doesn't play 80% or more of the snaps in the season and make the Super Bowl or the Pro Bowl squad. So he's got to do one of those things. He's got to play 80% of the snaps or make the Super Bowl or an all-pro squad. Basically, what they're saying now is a lot of people are saying this is a team-friendly deal. According to NFL.com, this is a team-friendly deal. And so, you know, in comparing the three-year window, the first three-year contract, you know, it's actually six among quarterbacks. Ryan, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Flacco, Tony Romo, and Jay Cutler are making more over that three-year total, over that, you know, over that three-year window. So, you know, this contract, when it's all said and done, at the, on the surface, when you originally saw it, you're like, wow, this is a big commitment from the 49ers. But really, this deal is pretty 49er friendly, pretty team friendly at this point in time for the San Francisco 49ers. Pretty team friendly. But Colin Kaepernick definitely to this point and definitely at this stage of his career you could argue they could have waited, or you could argue it's better to pay now than pay later or pay more later. I think it's better to pay now because if you pay later, if you pay later, bottom line is paying later might be, uh, you know, a lot more, a lot more. And so the 49ers, did the right thing, and pretty much got a cap-friendly deal. I mean, after if this guy goes out, let's just say you 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 gamble and you let him play out this year, and he goes and wins wins a Super Bowl. Well, you win a Super Bowl now, you're definitely got to pay him a lot of money in guarantees, maybe a lot more money in guarantees, and you're going to have to give him a better contract than he's gotten right here. You're going to have to give him a, a player-friendly contract, if you will, because at this point, this is a team-friendly contract. But you figure, you figure, just based off the way this contract is structured, the 49ers really win here because you got a, you got a quarterback because basically based off what, you're, what I'm reading, you know, about $13 million in, about, in guarantees. $13 million in guarantees after that. You know, he's going to have to start proving some things. He's going to have to prove things. and he's going to, If he's on top of his game, he's going to get his money. If he's not, he's not going to get his money. But basically, he got $13 million in guarantees, not the $61 million in guarantees that was first reported. So about $13 million in guarantees, roster bonuses and, and, and signing bonuses and things of that nature, about $13 million in guarantees for Colin Kaepernick. I'm all for it. Bottom line is pay now and get a team-friendly deal or pay later, and now at that point, if he wins a Super Bowl, 
you're, you're, you're screwed, you're stuck, you're going to have to give him big-time money. So Colin Kaepernick made out well, 49ers made out well, and I think everybody goes home happy. We'll see if Colin Kaepernick can earn the money in this contract. And here's the thing with the NFL contracts, whether you know, a contract they're saying could be 110 to $126 million, I believe over six years. Bottom line is this, you know, in the NFL, this, this money is not guaranteed. So when, when you see those 110, $120 million contracts, you just say, okay, because they're not guaranteed, and there's no telling if that guy will ever get to that hundred and some odd million dollars. No guarantee at all. So the bottom line is this. When you see those contracts in the NFL, you just say, okay, you take it year by year. It's a year-to-year league. It's a year-to-year contracts pretty much. I mean, at the end of the day, you could just walk away from a contract. Yeah, it could hurt your salary cap, but you could just walk away from a contract if you're in the NFL at any point, any time. That's what I always say. I always say, NFL players, get what you can get. Get what you can get. Get get as much money as you can when you can get it, no matter how you can get it. Get what you can get when you can get it. Because at some point, it may not be available for you to get. It may not be available for you to get. And you wonder, just reading this contract, if he was better off betting on himself and waiting. Would he have been better suited waiting and betting on himself, being that this contract is team-friendly? And I don't know if he should have waited. I don't know if maybe he might have been better served to wait and, and bet on his abilities and bet on what he could be moving forward. Because if he waited, you know, if he wins the Super Bowl, which, I mean, it's a good possibility in San Francisco they can win a Super Bowl. They got talent. They got talent on the defensive side of football. They got talent on the offensive side of football. So, I mean, you get Stevie Johnson in the offseason to add to your offense. You have Crabtree for a full season now. You know, Vernon Davis, Bolden, Frank Gore. You know, you have weapons. And, And so the point is, with the defense that you have and with the offense that you have, would you have been better served if you're Colin Kaepernick to wait, to wait now and wait to you the guarantees are more and wait to get those more guarantees. And if you win the Super Bowl, you're going to get paid. they got to pay you. They're not going to let you walk away. And if they do, somebody's going to pay you. Somebody's going to pay you. So should Colin Kaepernick have waited? And I'm wondering if he should. I'm thinking maybe he should have. Because initially, when you heard $61 million in guarantees, you were saying, okay, this, this, this is a good deal. He should sign this deal. He definitely should sign this deal. Why wait? He definitely should. But now, seeing that basically, basically, this contract is $13 million in guarantees at this point, and if he does what he got to do, and plays the way the 49ers think he can play, then he's obviously going to get paid a lot more. He's obviously going to get the big money in this contract. But at this point, it's only $13 million in guarantees. So if I'm Colin Kaepernick, I think I bet on myself and wait. 
I, that's what I would have done. I would have waited. He decided not to. It is what it is. And now, you know, California Chrome, switching to horse racing. California Chrome, the Belmont Stakes. Can he get the Triple Crown the first time in 46 years? Can it happen? Will it happen? I'm not a big man. I'm not, I'm not a big guy in terms of the horses. I don't watch the horses much. But it's always exciting when you have a guy going, or a horse, I should say. I said a guy. It's a horse. It's an animal. It's always exciting when you have a horse going for the Triple Crown because it's not done very often. Again, 36 years, the last time it was done. 36 years. 36. California Chrome. Can he do it? Can he do it? Will he do it? And it's always good for horse racing when you have a horse going for the Triple Crown. To me, it's almost like it's almost like having any NBA form. I'll compare it to the NBA. It's almost like it's always good. It's almost like it's good to have a superstar like LeBron James in the NBA Finals a lot, like Michael Jordan was. Michael Jordan was, you know, he was he stayed, he stayed in the NBA Finals. And that's always good when you have players making it to the NBA Finals, superstars making it to the NBA Finals year in and year out because it's good for the league. And everybody's going to watch because they're watching to see the superstar win or watching to see the superstar lose. And that's why it's great for the Belmont Stakes and great for horse racing in general when you have a guy, a horse, I should say, going for the Triple Crown because now you're going to have a lot of people watching because they want to see if he can do it. If he can do it. Can he do it? Will he do it? And being that this hasn't been done in 36 years, I'm going to go with history and say that he's not going to do it. I think he's not going to do it. I'm going to say he's not going to do it. He's not going to get it. He's not going to get it. California Chrome will not win the Triple Crown. Will not win it. Will not win the Triple Crown. He's going to not get it done. He is going to not, not get it done. And I remember many years ago, a few years ago, and this is probably one of the few times I watched Horse racing. Smarty Jones. And one of the reasons I was watching Smarty Jones is Smarty Jones is a Philly, was a Philly horse. It's from Philadelphia. And, and so, you know, obviously being a Philly guy myself, I was, you know, I was attracted to, to Smarty Jones and, and hoping, being that he was from Philly, that he could get it done and win the Triple Crown. And I look at it because at the time, you look at 2004, you look at the landscape of sports back in 2004 in Philadelphia. Well, the last time, this other, you know, four years later, obviously the Philadelphia Phillies will win the World Series in 2008. But before that, the last championship in Philadelphia was the 1983 76ers in, in the four major sports, the 1983 Philadelphia 76ers. I know Philadelphia sold one uh, during that time. 
Villanova won a national championship during that time. But in terms of the four majors, the last time it was done in Philadelphia was 1983. So a lot of Philadelphia fans kind of latched on to Smarty Jones because they were hoping that he could win a championship, get the Triple Crown for Philadelphia. Because, again, before that time, the last championship was 21 years ago, and that was in 1983, again, with the Philadelphia 76ers. So we latched on to Smarty Jones. I was living in Connecticut at the time, but I latched on to Smarty Jones. And so the Belmont Stakes was on, and I watched the Belmont Stakes because of Smarty Jones. And I'm a guy who doesn't really watch much horse racing. So the bottom line is I was drawn to horse racing, a guy – and myself, who don't really watch horse racing, drawn to horse racing because of Smarty Jones. So that went back to my point where, you know, this is great for horse racing when you have a horse going for the Triple Crown. But the bottom line is this. That's the last time I remember really paying attention and watching horse racing to see what would happen with Smarty Jones. Ultimately, he would lose. Ultimately, he would lose in the Belmont State. And he came out of nowhere, but he lost. And so, and, and when he lost, you know, you were going back to, wow, I mean, it, it's got to be the Philly curse. It, it's got to be because he's from Philadelphia. Because, you know, we don't win titles in Philadelphia. We don't do it. We don't win titles in Philadelphia. And he finished second. He finished second. Birdstone back then won the Triple Crown. Not the Triple Crown, but won the Belmont Stakes. Smarty Jones finished second, and Birdstone was a 36-1 long shot. 36-1 long shot. And Smarty Jones could not overcome a 36-1 long shot. So Philly Sports went down again to a 36-1 long shot in Birdstone. And that's the way, that was the mindset, I think, of a lot of Philadelphia sports fans back in 2004 because of the championship drought that was happening in Philadelphia. Thank God for the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies who broke that streak and broke that uh, curse in Philadelphia, broke that championship drought in Philadelphia. I mean, judging by the way the Phillies are playing now, judging by the way the Phillies are playing now, you know, it's not looking good right now for Philadelphia in terms of the Philadelphia Phillies, in terms of baseball and who knows, maybe the Eagles will be well. And who knows, the Flyers, they got to the to the conference finals. And Philadelphia 76ers, we're in rebuild mode. The Sixers are in rebuild mode. So who knows what's going to come of Philadelphia spirit, sports moving forward. But Smarty Jones, shout out to Smarty Jones and what he did and almost getting the triple crown back in 2004. I want to thank Willie Rove for stopping by. Also, I want to thank... Uh, St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill for stopping by. Follow him on Twitter at ebguild83. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at goforitgant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Hit us up on our YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com slash user slash goforitgant. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great day. See you later. Take care. Bye.